Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Brilliant, Seb. Thank you so much. And uh, so great to see each one of you uh, today. My name's Jago. And um, uh, if you're new, particularly welcome to you. It's really lovely uh, to have you with us. Now, um, today, a bit like last week, if you were here, in this Vision for Life sermon series, uh, this is the fourth and final one. But a bit like last week, we're sort of doing the sermon in two parts. Uh, just to not uh, spring it on you by surprise. So um, just uh, watch out, we'll do it in sort of two parts. Let me pray. Uh, do keep that um, uh, page open in your Bible if you, if you can. Uh, Deuteronomy 31. Um, we'll look at it together, page 209, uh, or it'll come up on the screen as well. But let me pray, uh, and then we'll begin. Uh, Lord God, we pray. We pray that you would go before us, and we pray that you would be with us, that you'd be our guardian as we look at your word right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, earlier this week, I um, bumped into someone at a meeting um, that I was at, and uh, we hadn't seen each other for years and years and years. She was at university with me, which was ages and ages and ages ago. Um, And uh, she she told me about some friends of hers uh, who were parents to someone that we'll call Jenny. Uh, and, and this person uh, told me that Jenny had recently finished uni, uh, Jenny had moved to London, and her parents were anxious how Jenny was doing. She'd grown up in a Christian home. How was Jenny doing as a Christian? Had she, had she given up on God? Her parents thought that Jenny might be coming to this church, to HTC, but they weren't totally sure. Uh, and they were, they were wondering, how, uh, was Jenny holding fast to God, or, or was she drifting away from him? How was Jenny doing? So this person who I, who I met asked me, you know, do you know Jenny? How is Jenny doing? Uh, to which I, like the excellent sort of pastoral-hearted uh, vicar that I am, who knows all the members of his congregation, I said, I said, I don't have a clue who Jenny is, sorry. Um, and that was the end of the conversation, that was that. Uh, next day um, was uh, the day when we have our staff team meeting here at HDC. So there's 25 of us or so on the staff. Uh, and I decided as part of the staff meeting to uh, get everybody on the staff team into pairs. And for in the pair, just I encourage everyone to share the name of one person uh, in the whole church congregation that they particularly had on their mind at the moment that they wanted to pray for. So I got with one person on the staff team and I said to them, you know, who's the person that you'd most like to pray for? Who should that person tell me? None other than Jenny. Okay, isn't that amazing? Out of, uh, you know, over 700 people uh, in our church family, the one person that is mentioned to me the next morning, Jenny. Later that day in the evening, uh, we had a church meeting here, lots of people here. And as part of that church meeting at one moment, there were two people stood next door to me. I didn't know them, so I turned to them and I said, "Uh, hello, um, who are you? Guess who one of them was? Jenny. Absolutely amazing. I, now, I am not a sort of an expert statistician or anything like that, but I reckon that there's a probability of 0.00004 that at both events it would be Jenny who I'd find out about. Now, here's the encouragement of this. 
regardless of how well Jenny is holding fast to God. I don't know that. Regardless of how well Jenny is holding fast to God, what I do know, what I've been encouraged by, what I've been amazed by of how God has done that amazing answer to prayer in that just incredible way with that tiny weeny probability, what I do know is that God, he is certainly holding fast to Jenny. God is concerned about Jenny and is holding fast to her. And today, really, that is the main thing that I want to encourage each and every person here, that God is holding fast to you. Twice in our little reading that Seb read for us, there were those words, God will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Just for a moment, take in the wonder and the splendor and the majesty of those words. He will never leave you nor forsake you. God holds fast to you. If you were here for the first of um, our four Vision for Life sermons uh, back four weeks ago, you may remember that I said the aim of this sermon series is, if you like, to try and help each one of us Uh, to get a clear, non-blurry, accurate vision of the most important thing of all, to get a clear vision of our lives. And our theme verses from the book of Deuteronomy that we've been looking at each week from Deuteronomy 30, uh, they, if you like, give us four key decisions that we all need to make to have a clear vision for life. And they're these. First one, first decision we need to make, choose life. Choose life. That's about being connected to Jesus Christ in the first place, having a, a connection to him rather than ignoring him. So be connected to Jesus. Then love the Lord your God. That's about the centrality of Jesus. Having Jesus central, loving him with heart, soul, mind and strength. That then last week, last week was listen to his voice. Being committed to Jesus' word. And then finally today we come to that last bit of the sentence. Hold fast to him. And we're going to discover that is about a decision for you and me to be courageous for Jesus. But here's the principle. The principle is always this. God, he only encourages you and me to do things when he has already first done them for us. Just look at that. Choose life with Jesus only because he's first chosen us. Love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind and strength only because he has first loved us. God loved us because he loved us. Listen to Jesus' word only because Jesus has first deigned to speak to us, to reveal himself to us. And now today, hold fast to Jesus, only because Jesus has first held fast to you. That is the message of the reading that Seb read for us. Just look at verse 8 again. It says exactly the same thing in verse 6, but look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. He says this. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Just look at the words there. It says he goes before us. God goes before us like sort of an advanced guard and that he goes with us like a never-failing companion. God holds fast to us as an advanced guard and as a never-failing companion. Some of you will um, know that my, uh, my dear dad died right at the start of this year. But yesterday, it would have been my mum and dad's uh, 51st wedding anniversary. And so yesterday we went to see, uh, to see my mum on, on the, what would have been the wedding anniversary. And uh, my mum's my mom, a follower of Jesus. She uh, started following Jesus when I was about eight years old. Uh, but my dad, was, he was always a bit more unsure about Jesus. 
But last year, on October the 7th last year, on their golden wedding anniversary, 50 years of being, mar- uh, of being married, with, with dad near death, just a few months to live, he'd had Alzheimer's for over a decade, uh, he suffered from motor neurone disease as well. We had such a special time a year ago, as with dad then not properly able to speak, uh, not properly able to eat, uh, we did this little service in their sitting room, in their home. It was just me and mum and, and dad, just the three of us. We did a little service renewing their wedding vows and them taking communion together. Now that day a year ago, it was a day that was full of tears. But it was also a day when I think dad came to put his trust in Jesus on his 50th wedding anniversary. I spoke that day to dad of the need to hold on to Jesus through life and through death. I encouraged dad to hold fast to someone who'd be with him both in the present like a never failing companion and someone who would go before him into the future like an advanced God. And that someone is Jesus. Someone who conquered death, who got himself through death and could get dad through death as dad held onto him. That day a year ago, I encouraged dad to hold fast to the one who first held fast to him. To the one who gave up his life so that my dad could know life, even in the face of impending death. Now, obviously, all of us here, we're in different circumstances to what my dad was in just in the last weeks of his life. But the truth is exactly the same. God goes before us like an advanced God. God will be with us like a never failing companion. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And you know, that wonderful truth, it means two beautiful things for everyone here in the Lord Jesus. Number one, here's the first thing it means. It means because God holds fast to us, we can be people of courage. You and I, because God holds fast to us, we can be people of courage. I think it's fascinating if you read through the Bible again and again, when there are moments in the Bible when people need courage, when, the, you know, when there's some tricky assignment coming up, when there's some challenging situation, it is always then that the people are reminded that God is with them. So it happens here for for Moses and Joshua. God goes before you, he'll be with you. We see it, if you think about Gideon, when Gideon's facing the Midianites, he's just got 300 soldiers. God says, I will be with you. We see it with Isaiah. God says to him, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. We see it in the Great Commission. Jesus speaking to those uh, first disciples. He says to them, go into all the world to make disciples of all nations and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. You see, again and again and again and again, whenever there is a challenging thing ahead, God reminds us, I'm with you, I'm holding fast to you, I won't let you go, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. You see, what is courage? Courage is not all that sort of superhero stuff that you see in the Marvel films. Courage is facing life's challenges with the help and the direction of God. Courage is not defining yourself by the size of your problem, but it is defining yourself by the unfailing presence of God in your life, even if you don't feel it. Courage is saying, I will hold fast to the truth 
that God, he is holding fast to me. Just look at our verses again. Be strong and courageous, verse 6. Be strong and courageous, verse 7. End of verse 8. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, discourageous. Because God holds fast to us, you, me, we can be people of courage. Some of you will... um, will know that one of the, the clearest sort of images that we feel God has given us as a church uh, is that four or five people, uh, all from HDC, in one prayer meeting that took place uh, a few years ago now, five or six years ago now, uh, all these four or five people all felt in that prayer meeting, independently, they felt that God had given them a picture um, for the church, uh, a picture of HDC like a boat, And not any old boat, but a particular type of boat, an icebreaker ship, like the kind of boat that you might get uh, that goes and breaks up the ice in the Arctic. Four or five people, totally independently, all felt God gave them exactly the same picture for this church. And with those pictures was the idea of us as a church called to to do that in South London, to, to, if you like, break through the ice of resistance to Jesus and the gospel, to break through that ice by planting and renewing churches to courageously go ahead of others for Jesus. Now, now just this week, I was sent a letter by um, uh, somebody who has sort of got a connection to this church, doesn't come to the church, lives in Wales, actually. Uh, And this person had been reading um, Alistair Campbell's new book, Alistair Campbell, the former director of communications for Tony Blair when Tony Blair was prime minister. Uh, And she she quoted to me in this letter um, a bit that Alistair Campbell writes in his book about a conference that he was at in Canada. And this is what it says. It says, on one of the panels at this conference, a Canadian maritime historian said that when he was growing up, his father told him that the reason for the ship suffix in leadership was that the word was first used many years ago in the context of icebreakers, as in ships that smashed through ice when the water was frozen over. The ships needed to get out to sea, his father told him, but the ships cannot sail on ice. So the icebreaker was the lead ship, and that is where the word leadership comes from. It is literally the lead ship. It cuts through the ice, and as it did so, the waters opened and widened behind it, and the other ships could follow. Now, I believe that there are many of you in this church who are called in different ways to be that lead ship, to cut through the ice so that others can follow, to do that for Jesus in all sorts of different situations and different contexts that you find yourselves in, where you live, where you work, wherever it may be, for you to be that lead ship. And to do that, it takes courage. I believe it's certainly true for us as a church too, for us to be that lead ship, for for HTC to break through the ice, to take a lead so that others can follow across South London. As As we reach out with the gospel, as we look to plant and renew churches, as we speak truth to power in the diocese, in the Church of England, as we look to our three year vision, that three year vision I talked about last week, as we look to that three year vision of 900 people, praying for 900 people to be here on a Sunday by 2026. 
Praying that by 2026, we might have 300 people coming along on Alpha that year. Praying that by 2026, we might, uh, three years from now, have three new church plants or renewals. And that by 2026, 250 years since this church was built, we might have one revitalized 250 church building project complete. In all those ways, we are breaking through the ice. We we are being that lead ship. And that takes courage. It takes courage. And we'll only be people of courage. We'll only be a church of courage if we know it to be true that God holds fast to us. Never will he leave us. Never will he forsake us. So that's the first thing I'd love us to hold on to. For each of us as individuals and as a church this day, that because God holds fast to you, because he holds fast to us, we can be people of courage. And then here's the second thing. Because God holds fast to us, not only can we be people of courage, but also we can be people of contentment. People of contentment. I would guess that actually amongst us all here, I don't know what there is, 200, 220 of us here, I would guess amongst us all that every single one of us struggles with contentment. Probably every single one of us. Yesterday, when we were at my mum's house, I um, at one moment came into um, her, her sitting room and our two youngest children were there, age seven and nine, and they were avidly reading my mum's Country Life magazines, okay? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, now what were they doing? Actually, what they were avidly reading was the property section in the Country Life magazine. And they were looking at all these huge, massive mansions thinking, I need a house like that. They particularly liked one that was £32 million on the island of Jersey. That was their favourite. You know, (laughs) this struggle with contentment, it starts early. All of us, we struggle being content with what we have. Just look in the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews quotes our verses in Deuteronomy. Look at what he writes. This is Hebrews 13, verse 5. He writes this. He says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. See what he's saying there? He says, who needs to be scrabbling for more when you've got everything you need, when God is holding fast to you? You know, as we think about our financial giving a little later, we can afford to be generous. We can, we can be free from the love of money. We can be people of contentment, knowing God will not leave us nor forsake us. God, he is our ultimate security, not money. So we can be free to give money away. I love the story of uh, Lawrence. Lawrence was a, um, a pastor in the church in Rome uh, around AD 250 when uh, there was a massive revival. Loads and loads of people were coming to faith in Jesus around AD 250 in the city of Rome. And because there was a revival and because the emperor at the time, Emperor Valerian, didn't like that very much, Emperor Valerian uh, decided that to arrest and execute all the bishops, priests and deacons in Rome. But he, he offered, uh, Valerian offered Lawrence a way out. He said, to, he said to Lawrence, you can be spared if you show the emperor 
where all the church's treasures were kept. Well, what did Lawrence do? Lawrence asked for three days to gather all the treasures in the church together. And then what he did was this. He, he got all the treasures, he got all the money, all the sort of the valuable candlesticks and all that sort of stuff, and he gave it all away to those most in need. And then he, he brought all, together all the members of the church family, particularly all the most vulnerable people. He gathered all the people of the church together and he gathered them in the church building. So that when the emperor arrived after three days, as Lawrence flung open the doors to reveal all these people, he did that, he flung open the doors and he said, these are all the treasures of the church. And I love what Lawrence did showing that the most important thing in a church is people, not money. It's why our vision as a church, it is all about people, our vision statement, every life bearing fruit for Jesus. It's all about people. We, you and I, we are the treasures of this church and we want that treasure to grow. We want more people coming to faith in Jesus. You know, Lawrence was full of both courage and contentment. The Emperor Valerian was so furious with him, as you might expect, uh, for what he'd done. And Valerian ordered for Lawrence to be killed by being roasted on a gridiron. And apparently Lawrence even joked with his executioners as he was being roasted to death. Lawrence said to them, he said, you may now turn me over, I'm done on this side. His courage and his contentment, even in the face of death, it made such an impression that the revival in Rome just grew faster and faster as more and more people came to faith in Jesus. You see, as we come to the end of this Vision for Life series, I pray that every single one of us, that we can be marked by that same courage for Jesus and contentment in Jesus. And if you like, I picture sort of an, an, an athletic but, but sensible child in front of one of those sort of giant climbing walls, you know the kind of thing. You know, if the child is there with no uh, safety line clipped on, then they're a bit nervous, they're a bit uncomfortable, they're not content, they're fearful about climbing up the wall. But what happens as soon as you clip them in, when they're on that safety rope, when they know that they are held fast, well, then they are both courageously and contentedly bounding up the wall so fast. So too with us in our lives. If we know that God is holding fast to us, if we know that we are clipped in and he will never leave us or forsake us, well then we can be full of courage and contentment as we live out our lives. After all, we know one who hasn't just gone before us as an advanced guard, but he's gone before us in our place on the cross. And we know one who isn't just with us as a never-failing companion, but we know one who actually dwells in us by his Spirit, Jesus Christ. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Shall we pray as we sit? Let's pray. As I say, just before... And we sort of turn a bit more to think about the sort of the practical side of the financial giving. I just want to give a bit of time to pray uh, for some people here this morning. So let's just um, take a moment. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Very simply, in a moment, what I would love to happen, 
I'd love to invite you to stand up if you are saying, I want to be a person of more courage. Or if you're saying, I want to be a person of more contentment. Or even you may be saying both of those. I long that I might be more a person of courage and contentment. If that's you in a moment, I'd love you to stand. I'd love you to stand too if you feel that God is calling you to be a leadership. He's calling you to, to break the ice so that others can follow in some area or other of your life. He's calling you to be a leadership. And then I'd love you to stand as well. If you're actually here and you're saying, actually, to be honest, I find it really, really difficult to believe that God hasn't left me, that God hasn't forsaken me. Because truth be told, it feels like God is miles away. It feels like I've been, as it were, unclipped from him. And so I want to encourage you, if any of those apply to you now, I'm not going to get you to do anything other than stand up, but I'm just going to pray for everyone who stands from the front. So if you would like to stand, if you relate to one of those things, would you stand now? Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. If you're not standing and you're near someone who is standing, maybe you want to reach out an arm and just, uh, just pray for them and just pray God's blessing on them. But let's just pray now. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for every person gathered here, for all these treasures in the church. And Lord, thank you for each person standing now. And I pray your blessing on them. Lord, we pray for those who feel like you've forsaken them, who feel like you're far from them. And I pray, Lord God, that for those, you would encourage them in the very depths of their souls that you are with them that you're with them by your spirit and that you'll never leave them nor forsake them. Lord, I pray you would fill each person here with all that they need at this time. Would you help them to know the wonder of you holding fast to them and for those longing to be more a person of courage, pray that you would fill them now by your spirit to help them to choose courage. To choose courage knowing that you are with them. Pray that you fill them with a zeal for you and your ways rather than a fear of the situation. Lord, help them to be a leadership for you. And Lord, for those longing to be more a person of contentment, we pray for them. Like um, the Apostle Paul said, I know what it is to be in plenty. I know what it is to be in want. I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation. Lord, would you bless them? And would you fill them with that ability to be content in the situation they are in, knowing that you will never leave them nor forsake them? 
Lord, I pray your blessing on each person standing. Pray you protect them. Pray you fill them with your spirit. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Would you like to take a seat? So wonderful to, um, to be able to pray for you. Um, in a, a few moments when we, when we have a time of response and time of worship, uh, there'll be people here at the front. And if you want to pray further with someone, uh, do just take that opportunity to pray with them. But as I say, we're just going uh, to continue a little bit more practically just for about another 10 minutes or so. Um, and um, as we've been going through this Vision for Life sermon series, um, we've had this bespoke website, avisionforlife.org. Um, the, the QR code's coming up, uh, um, and uh, you're very welcome to go there on your phone now. If you want to have a look at it, I'll refer to it in a few moments' time. Uh, it's got all sort of actions on it. It's all got sort of follow-up to this um, sermon series. Uh, I've encouraged us all, you may remember if you've been here over the last few weeks, I've encouraged us all to belong, uh, to grow, to pray, to serve, and to give. And uh, last week, Um, Josh encouraged us all to fill in the serve form and uh, many of you did that but if you haven't done that yet and you actually feel yes you've got some time some talents some gifts that you might uh, be able to give to the church uh, in serving in some ministry or other uh, do please fill in that um, serve form at some point we'd be so uh, pleased if you might do that but as I said last week um, it's generally only sort of one time in a year Uh, that we focus on financial giving as a church. And that is during this sort of vision series around this time of the year. And so before we, I sort of show you the giving form, uh, if you'd like to fill that in, uh, I just want to answer two simple questions, which are this. Why give and how give, okay? Why give and how give? First of all, why give? Why give? Really, I think there are two reasons why to give financially. One, because you're excited about the vision, which I've shared, hopefully you are. Um, But two, why give? Actually, this is the fundamental reason. Why give? Because you're grateful to God. You're grateful to God. You see, all Christian giving begins with the realization that God is a giving, self-sacrificing, loving, generous God. If God has done all this for me, if we think about this sermon series, if God, if he's chosen me, if he's loved me, if he's spoken to me, if he's held fast to me, of course I want to generously give in grateful response to all he has first given me. Uh, You you know, first of all, God wants us to give, not money, but first of all, God wants us to give ourselves to him. I think it was a couple of of weeks ago in in the sermon, I gave the illustration of a little boy uh, being impacted by how much God had done for him and wanting to give in response, and the collection plate was passed around and he didn't know what to do, so he put the collection plate on the floor and then stepped onto the collection plate. That's a great picture of of a right attitude to giving. First of all, we give ourselves. We say, here I am, God. I'm giving myself in response to all that you have first given me. So that is why we give. Why do we give? We give because we're grateful to God and because we're excited about the vision. But what about how to give? How do we give? Let me say four things about how to give. First of all, our giving should be considered should be considered. So real Christian giving cannot be commanded, can't be pressurized. But the answer to avoiding pressure is not to provide no opportunity at all to give, but rather to provide considered, unpressurized opportunity. And that's what this time of the year is. Last week, I said what our financial need is as a church so that you could consider it. 
Uh, as a reminder, if you weren't here last, last week, uh, our current expenditure uh, for the current church year, uh, sorry, current calendar year, is estimated to be around £1.2 million. Now that is paid for by the generous giving of so many of you in this church. And I want to say a huge, huge, huge thank you. If you are giving to the church, that is part of your giving is that. And I want to thank you so, so much for that. And as we look to next year, whilst we're looking to keep things tight, uh, the expenditure next year, it will go up by about £80,000 next year. And then on top of the general giving, there is Revitalise 250. Revitalise 250, a £5.8 million building project where we're now up to £4 million raised with over £3 million of that £4 million coming from gifts from the HTC church family. And again, a huge thank you to you if you have given to Revitalise 250. Now with that, we want to start the actual works. We've taken the pews out at the start of this year, but we want to start the actual sort of building works, digging works um, um, by May or June next year. And to do that, we basically need to have £1.5 million more committed by Christmas. And that can come from three main sources. It can come from grants, it can come from loans, and it can come from congregational giving. Ideally, £500,000 from each of those three. So what we're doing this Sunday is we're inviting you who are trusting Jesus who are committed to this church, saying, yeah, I'm a part of HDC, to respond. And we're encouraging you, if you would be able to, to fill in your giving form as what you might be able to give for the next 12 months, having taken time to consider it. So that's the first thing. Our giving should be considered. It's worth saying, if you are a visitor here this morning, uh, there is no need for you to do this. If you want to give, I would not say no, it'd be delightful, but there's no need for you to, of course. Thank you for bearing with us. As I said, this is not something we talk about the whole time, but thank you for being here and bearing with us while we do talk about it at this time in the year. Secondly, our giving should be commensurate. Uh, So we should give in a way that is commensurate with our income. So proportionate is another word. The Bible gives us a suggestion for giving 10%, tithing. Uh, For some, it is a struggle to give that much, to give 10%. For others, it's not even noticeable. I remember someone in the congregation a few years ago uh, who I happened to have talked about with their giving with them. That person, because of their circumstances, they gave around 30% of their income. So when someone says, says, you know, how much should they give, I do not think there is a set answer. Please, 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 please do not feel guilty if you can't give loads. Uh, Last week, I spoke about someone tithing their savings. So they had around £200,000 of savings, so they're giving £20,000 to Revitalise 250. Or or to give you another example, I know of someone who, in addition to their their regular giving to the church, they, as a a fairly newly married couple, they've got a sort of separate spending pot to buy things like, you know, clothes and presents and stuff like that. And so they additionally tithe that separate pot so that they give £20 a month from that pot to revitalise 250. So our giving, it should be commensurate, proportionate. So considered, commensurate, And then third, also as we've been thinking about today, our giving should be courageous. It should be courageous. You know, if we don't notice our financial giving, if it just sort of slips out of our bank account each month and it doesn't really bother us at all, then probably we should be giving more. Because our giving should be sacrificial. It should impact our standard of living. You know, is it right if our giving is no more than what we spend on gym membership and daily coffees or whatever it is? What might courageous giving look like for you? 
Uh, last week I mentioned the people in the congregation. They don't have loads of money. They're saving for a flat to, to, get, a, to get on the property ladder. But they have decided to give all that they've saved up for buying that flat over the last year. They've decided to give it all actually to Revitalize 250 instead. Our giving should have an impact on us. Uh, speaking personally, for us as a family at the moment, we, we give something around 10% uh, of our income away. And the lion's share of that 10% that we give away, we give to HTC rather than to other charities because there's a big pool of people who can give to big charities, but only people coming to this church are going to give to the general running of this church. And then on top of that, we've also given a certain amount to Revitalize 250 as well. Uh, and for us, that giving to Revitalize 250, that has been from our savings because our income isn't huge. Um, what will courageous giving look like for you? Uh, and again, as a reminder, if you weren't here last week, I said that if you are new to HTC, if you're new here, if you're not yet giving to HTC, um, we would love it if you might consider setting up giving to the regular church funds. We'd love you to think through, to pray through, to be courageous in that, starting out giving to the regular church funds. And we're praying that this giving from everybody who is new in the church, there are a lot of new people in the church. At First Fruits on, Friday, on Thursday night, we had about 90 people here who were all new to the church. And we're praying that all the new givers... That, as they give, that will cover the increase in expenditure of £80,000, plus make up for the loss of those who've moved out of London over the last few months and so finished their giving. And then for, for perhaps the majority of us, people who are already giving, again, I want to say a huge thank you to you for your giving. I want to encourage you, please do keep giving. That would be wonderful. Um, but this year, we're not asking so much for you necessarily to increase your giving to the general funds, but rather I'm asking you to consider doing some courageous additional giving to Revitalize 250, whether as a one-off gift or as a regular monthly amount, it is totally up to you, whichever you would prefer. And if it's helpful, the £500,000 that we are praying that we see from the congregation for Revitalize 250 over the next uh, week, few weeks, uh, we are praying for that. And that equates to every adult in the church giving an extra £800 or an extra £70 a month for a year. Now, of course, some people will be able to give far more than that. Other people, much less than that. And then finally, our giving, it should be considered, it should be commensurate, it should be courageous, and it should be, you've guessed it, contented. Remember the verse in Hebrews, quoting our verses in Deuteronomy, let me say it again, the writer of Hebrews says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Giving is the antidote to our love of money. As we give, we are issuing a statement that our trust is in God and in his control of all our resources. We are saying we are content. We're saying, God, we know that you will hold fast to us. We're saying we know that you, God, you are our ultimate security. Money is not. And so we can give money away, but we can't give God away. I often say, ultimately, our giving, it's not just sort of some sort of pragmatic response to an appeal. It's not so much the, the calculated thriftiness of an accountant, as lovely as you accountants are. Uh, it's the almost extravagant exuberance of a contented lover. 
Remember Paul writing in 2 Corinthians, he says, God loves a cheerful giver. Literally, God loves a hilarious giver. We are to be thoroughly contented as we give. So I would love us now just to take a moment uh, to give if you felt able. The QR uh, code is going to come up on the screen. And if you um, use that or type in a visionforlife.org, I'd just love to show you how uh, you can give and just talk you through the practicalities of that. So you might like to use that QR code um, or um, type in a visionforlife.org. And uh, when you get through uh, to the visionforlife.org webpage, uh, you will see those five yellow boxes. And uh, if you press the give box, that'll take you to the giving page of the website. And I'm just going to very speedily just talk you through how to give. Uh, And you can do that now if you feel able to or you can do it uh, in the coming few days if um, you want to think about it a little bit more. But uh, let me just, when you go onto the giving page, um, you will see, uh, as you scroll down, there are two buttons. There's Give Now and Pledge Now. Give Now and Pledge Now. And you can use both of those buttons to give to either General Funds or Revitalize 250. But let me just show you how it works. Just suppose you're here and you're a new giver, and you're saying, I want to start giving to the General Church Funds. What would you do? You could click Give Now. And if you click Give Now... Um, you can go in into a form, it's our online giving platform, and you can fill it in, and it's very, very simple. So you can see whether the money is at the top, which is currently naught. If you were saying, actually, I want to give £200 a month or whatever it is, because, uh, you know, then you might go put in £200 there. Where it says fund, you can either choose giving or revitalize 250. So if you're doing the regular church funds, you do giving. Frequency, uh, you can do it one off, but probably most people are going to do it monthly. And so you can, as you click down there, you can put all the different things. You can choose which date of the month you want to give. So monthly, first of the month, whatever it might be. And then method, you can choose card or direct debit, whichever you want. And then you tick the taxpayer bit, put in your email, privacy notice, all the rest, and you press proceed. And then you follow through, you put your card account details in. Uh, Some of you, if you've never given through this system before, you may need to get a security code sent to your email, and then you're done, and you've done it. So you can do that now, if you want, or later. If you prefer, actually, to do the giving through your own online banking, uh, instead of our online platform, then what you want to do is press the Pledge Now button instead. So press Pledge Now, and again, it'll take you to a simple form. You'll see the form coming up, the blue form. And um, that Pledge Now form, you can just fill that in now, and you can see there, you just put your name in, your email, you pledge the amount, uh, put how, how often you want to give, so tick every month if that's what you want. Uh, you can, are you already a regular giver? If you're new to giving, tick no, I'm a new giver. Are you amending your giving? Uh, tick uh, yes, I am changing my regular giving to HTC because my giving was zero, now I'm changing it. And then you can submit it, and then at some point in the next few days or whenever it is, uh, you need to go to your online banking and set up your standing order. So that's if you're a new giver, that's how you do it. If you, um, if you currently give to HTC and you're thinking, actually, I want to set up additional giving to Revitalize 250, let me just very quickly show you that. Hopefully you've worked it out already. You can use exactly the same two buttons, whichever you want. If you use the Give Now button, um, then you just fill it in. You choose Revitalize 250 as your fund instead of giving. Um, and I would suggest using this one, the Give Now button, if you're wanting to give a monthly amount, a regular monthly amount to Revitalize 250, use this one. But if you're wanting to give a one-off lump sum to Revitalize 250, I'd suggest you don't use that and instead use the Pledge Now form. 
fill in the pledge now form. And as you do that, you'll see there the bottom question, are you amending your giving? You can tick there, yes, I'm setting up an additional giving to the Revitalized 250 building project and then do that through your online banking system. Now, some people here are going, I hate online full stop uh, and you want a paper version of the pledge form, that is fine. Jamie and Ed are at the back, so just wave uh, and they will give you a paper and pen if you would like a paper version instead. Uh, that is no problem at all. But let's just take a minute now. We're just going to take a minute, we'll have some music in the background, uh, just to have a moment to fill in these two forms or to look at them if you're not quite ready to fill it in. But let's have a minute just to fill those in. And uh, if you want a paper form, just wave at Jamie or Ed and they will come. And then in a moment, we're going to, uh, after we've had a minute just to fill in the forms, we're going to have a, a chance. Maybe the band can come up and we're going to respond in worship uh, to our God. So let's just take a minute now before we do that. <laughs> 